Okay, so tonight we're in Acts chapter 27, and we are going to dive in very quickly because there's a lot of ground to cover. It's kind of a longer chapter. Uh, if you haven't been here before or if you haven't been here in a while, we are studying the book of Acts. It is a historical book that t- details the story of the early church and details the story of how the church got started, the first Christians, and what they did. And we are learning first century principles of how to live as Christians and how to do church and how we can apply those in the 21st century. It's a series that we are calling unleashed. And it's all about how God unleashed his people, how he unleashed his Holy Spirit, how he unleashed his church to go into the world and change the world for Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what they did. So tonight we're going to, we're, oh, this is such great action. Tonight there's a, a storm and a shipwreck and all kinds of cool stuff. So uh, I, I'm, I'm very excited to tell you the story of what happens in Acts 27. And, and I want you to know something about the book of Acts is like this This stuff that we've been studying, the stories and everything like that, this stuff really happened. I mean, it it actually happened. These are real people living in a real place in a real time. It's not a fairy tale. It's not a legend. It's not like Lord of the Rings or Star Wars. And I know some of you are thinking, there's, don't you tell me that Star Wars isn't real. That baby Yoda is out there somewhere eating an egg. Baby Yoda. But this stuff actually happened. Like this is like, these are real stories. And I want to show you the map of what we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, Here's the map. And uh, if you look here, um, you go down to uh, the southeast corner, you'll see the city of Caesarea. That's where we are, have been for the last couple chapters. And this red line that you see going is a, a ship's journey uh, on which the Apostle Paul is, on, is going to be on this ship. And they are going to travel up along the coast. They're going to follow the coast along what is known as Asia Minor, or currently uh, Turkey. And it's going to curve around to the island of Crete. And then it's going to get drifted all the way over to the isle, island of Malta, uh, there on the western side of the map. Uh, and then they're going to get shipwrecked there. And, they're going to dr- and then they're going to get on another ship and go all the way up to Rome. So that's where we are in the world. This is the Mediterranean Sea. Um, and uh, yeah, all this happened for real. Like This is real stories of real people living in a real place. And, and this is what happened. So um, I want you to know that, that like the Bible's not made up. It's not a fairy tale. Uh, it's not fiction, but it is real. So we are in Acts chapter 27. If you brought a Bible, Feel free to grab your Bible and turn to Acts 27. Uh, If you didn't bring a Bible, um, uh, you can use your phone. You can use an app on your phone like Bible Gateway or YouVersion. Um, You can uh, also follow along with the sermon notes on the GFCC app. Uh, Go to your app store and search for GFCC. You can download the GFCC app. uh, uh, whether it's the Google Play Store or the iTunes Store. We are having a technical difficulty in the back of the worship center right now. My notes are not showing up, so Brandon's going to hit the remote and make the TV turn off and turn back on. It's the, brilliant, it's the wonders of HDMI. It's okay. I know where I'm going. <laughs> I hope. So grab your Bible. Let's turn to Acts 27. We're going to read the first verse, Acts 27, verse 1. When it was decided that we would sail for Italy, Paul and some other prisoners were handed over to a centurion named Julius, 
who belonged to the imperial regiment. Okay, as long as we're up there, and you all can read, and the people on, online can read, it's, a, it's an HDMI function problem. So, so Paul, like I said, had been in the city of Caesarea. He had been under house arrest in the pa- palace for a couple of years. And then uh, he was going to uh, be put on a ship to go to Rome. He had appealed his case to Caesar. And we liken that to when you have a court case here in the United States and it gets appealed to uh, the Supreme Court. And that's kind of like what's going on here. They are appealing to Caesar. So Paul is going to go all the way to the emperor of Rome. The cool thing about this uh, is that Jesus had told him, you are going to be my ambassador to the Gentiles. You're going to be my representative to the Gentiles. And not only that, you are going to, um, uh, you are going to appear before their kings. And, and that's exactly what Paul has done. He has appeared before the governor, Felix, the governor Festus, the king Agrippa, who is the king of the Jews. And then he's going to appeal all the way to Caesar. And he's going to go before the, the emperor of the known world, like the Roman emperor. He's going to plead his case to Caesar. And he's going to preach about Jesus to Caesar in Rome. And this is how God worked in a, in a mighty way to take the gospel out of this little place in Israel and spread it throughout the whole world. And it had to do with this guy named Paul. And that's exactly what Paul did. So uh, they get on this ship and they are going to sail uh, to, uh, toward Rome. So they're making their way to Rome uh, and they're going to make their way up the coastline uh, on, on Palestine. Uh, and... Um, Then they're going to get on a different ship. Look at verse 6. It says, there, this is in the city uh, of of Myra, uh, there the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing, uh, I'm sorry, for Italy and put us on board. So they they found this ship from Alexandria. Now, Alexandria was in Egypt. So this is an Egyptian ship that was taking grain from Egypt to Rome. It is estimated that they would import, Rome would import about 150,000 tons of grain every year from Egypt. So 150,000 tons of grain gets shipped across the Mediterranean to Egypt. Now, it doesn't, uh, from Egypt to Rome, it doesn't go all the time because there's certain times of the year that you can't sail across the Mediterranean because of the winds. Okay, so Egypt, this is going straight north, kind of to the northwest uh, from Egypt to Italy. So they get on this grain ship that is going to make its way from Myra, which was on north of Caesarea, and around the coast. They're going to follow the coastline all the way till they get to Italy. But there's a problem. A storm comes up. Uh, so they're losing time. Look at verse 9. It says, Much time had been lost, and sailing had already become dangerous, because by now it was after the Day of Atonement. Now, pause right there for just a second. The Day of Atonement, or what is known as Yom Kippur, you may have heard of that before. Yom Kippur was the Day of Atonement. It's the day that the Jews would sacrifice an animal uh, for the entire sins, for the sins of the entire nation. They would do this every year. They would have this Day of Atonement, when the, this animal's sacrifice would atone for the sins of the nation. This typically takes place in September or October early October. Using dating techniques, they have gone back and they can, they can figure out just about when this was taking place. In fact, they believe that this all happened in the year 59 AD. Uh, so it happened uh, 
almost 2,000 years ago, 59 AD, and Yom Kippur that year was on October 5th. So this is after the 5th of October uh, and, and in the calendar year. And what happens is the, the winds shift. Instead of coming out of the east and, and, go, and blowing west, you know how storms come across like in the hurricanes, they come across the Atlantic and they move from east to west. Well, now the winds have shifted from west to east. And the problem is they're trying to get, they're trying to go west. And the, the, the winds are going to blow against them, and they're not going to be able to go. So Paul warned them, Men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives also. So Paul is like putting two and two together here and going, This is not going to turn out well, guys. Verse 11. But the centurion, Julius, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. So instead of listening to Paul and going, maybe we should put off this trip for a few months, says, nope, we're going to go. We need to go. We, we need to go now. So they start sailing uh, toward the island of Crete. Uh, look at verse 13. It says, when a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity. So they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven along. So they're going around the island of Crete because there's a south wind that's blowing. It's going to blow them from south to north up toward Italy. They think, this is our chance. We're going to make it. And all of a sudden, the winds shift. And from the mountains of Crete, which are about 7,000 feet tall, these winds start racing down the mountains, hurricane force. You're talking like 80 to 100 mile, maybe 150 mile per hour winds coming out of the mountains and uh, blowing against the ship. And they're like, we cannot compete with 150 mile per hour winds. And it just starts blowing them across the Mediterranean Sea from east to west. They're not heading in the direction that they need to go. Instead of going north, they're now going west. And this is a big problem. Uh, look at verse uh, 18. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. Now, the tackle he's talking about are the, the sails, the extra sails, the rigging, the ropes, anything they could throw overboard, they're just taking and they're chucking it off the ship. It says, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days... And the storm continued raging. We finally gave up all hope of being saved. That's a scary feeling, isn't it? When you're in that kind of a storm in your life. When you're in that kind of a, not only just a physical weather storm, but like when you have that kind of emotional storm in your life, when you have, whether it's a physical illness, whether it's a, a loved one who's sick, whether it is a job situation or a relationship that's falling apart. When you, some of you know what that's like to be in that kind of a, an emotional or a spiritual storm in your life. Those hurricane force winds just batter you. And you're trying to do everything you can think of to survive this storm. But nothing helps. So Paul's on the ship. They've given up all hope. There's no hope. Verse 21. After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. Now, 
Nothing like a big I told you so right in the middle of the storm, right? Then I told you guys. But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. And they got to be thinking, wait, what? The ship's going to be destroyed, but we're not going to die? That's exactly what he's saying. Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. And so God has told Paul, everything is going to be okay. You're going to lose the ship, but you're not going to lose a single person. So they're out on the Adriatic Sea. Uh, they're lost at sea. They've given up all hope. But God has said, don't worry, everything is going to turn out okay. And uh, they've been out on the sea for two weeks. Look at verse 29. Fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. Now, just so you know, the reason that they're scared is because they started taking soundings. What they would do is they would take a rope with a cup on the end of it, and they would drop it over the side of the boat. And when it hit the ground, they would pull up uh, the rope to see how deep the water was. And the first time they did this, they were 120 feet deep. The water's 120 feet deep. They did it about a half hour later. The water was 90 feet deep. And so the water is getting shallower. They're getting closer to shore and they fear that they're going to be dashed against the rocks. Cause it's not like Lake Michigan where you just kind of walk up from the, from the water to the shore. There's jagged rocks all along the coastline. Verse 30 in an attempt. Oh, I love this. Oh, in an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. From the bow. <laughs> so you got some sailors going, you know what? Forget this Paul guy. I don't know what this angel told him, but I'm gonna, we're going to take matters into our own hands. We are out of here. And so they're like, hey, we're going to go drop the anchors, okay? And they grab the, the lifeboat, and they throw the lifeboat overboard, and they're all going to jump in and sail away. Verse 31, then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat and let it drift away. By boat. Oh, what a scary feeling that is. Like that was our only way to be saved. And there it goes. Verse 33. Paul tells them to eat. He says, just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. And I love what Paul does here. He says, after he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it and began to eat. That same wording, that same passage is used on the night before Jesus is crucified when he is in the upper room with his disciples instituting what we know as the Lord's Supper. We do it every weekend here. We take communion every weekend. And he's instituting communion. He says that he took bread, he broke it and gave thanks. And that's exactly what Paul does here. He's testifying to Jesus on this boat in the middle of a storm in the middle of nowhere. And he's still proclaiming Jesus. Well, daylight comes. 
Things are looking better. The, the ship is getting ready to, they're going to run the, the ship aground. They're going to just run it into the shore and get off the boat. Okay. Uh, verse 42. The problem is, is that as they go to jump off the ship or as they go to run the ship aground, they hit a sandbar that, uh, that was unbeknownst to them. They didn't know the sandbar was there. So they hit the sandbar and the waves are pounding them from behind and it starts to break the ship up. Verse 42. It says the soldiers planned to kill the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping. But the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. The rest were to get there on planks around other pieces of the ship. In this way, everyone reached land safely. So, like I said, sometimes in our lives, next week we're going to see what happens when they land. This is the Isle of Malta that they land on. We're going to see what happens next week. Uh, if, you, if you don't like snakes, you're going to love next week's story. I'm just going to tell you right now, you're going to love next week's story. If you don't like snakes, you will not like it. There's snakes next week. Why did it have to be snakes? But uh, so uh, they're on the Isle of Malta. And uh, we're going to finish up Acts chapter 28 next week. We'll be done with the book of Acts. We're going to do one more week after that on Acts 29 and how we as the church today are writing Acts 29. Uh, as we speak, we are in the process of writing the 29th chapter of Acts. We've been writing it for 2,000 years. But for tonight, I just want to take a few moments and for the balance of our time, I want to talk about five things you need to survive the shipwrecks of your life. Five things you need to survive the shipwrecks of life. The first is this. You need courage to survive the shipwrecks of life. Paul told the sailors, take courage, take courage, take courage. And when you're in the midst of a shipwreck, when you feel like your life is falling apart and the waves are just battering your little boat like you are Gilligan, man, and your life is just being pounded by these waves and your, your ship is wrecking and life is just falling apart. You need to take courage. Don't be afraid. And the reason you can take courage is, is, is the reason Paul took courage. Because God appeared to him. God showed up. God's presence was there in the midst of them. And this angel appeared and said, Paul, take courage. It's going to be okay. Throughout the Old Testament, uh, Joshua told the people, be strong and courageous. The Lord is with you. The Lord fights for you. You can take courage because the presence of God is with you. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you've been baptized, if you've given your life to Christ, the Holy Spirit lives within you. The presence of God is with you all the time. You can take courage because God is with you. Even in the midst of your, of your shipwrecked life. God has not abandoned you. He has not left you. He has not forgotten about you. He has not forsaken you. Take courage. God is with you. Secondly, you need faith to survive the shipwrecks of life. You need faith to survive the shipwrecks of life. What did Paul say? He said, the God in whom I have put my faith, the God in whom I have faith, has appeared to me and I trust him. I believe him. And he has said that we are going to survive. And I'm telling you right now, the same God says to you, you will survive this shipwreck. No matter what is happening in your life, have faith that the God 
who is with you will continue to be with you. He will strengthen you. He will give you courage. He will give you his presence. He will give you his peace. He has given you his promises. God is with you even in the midst of the shipwreck of life. Have faith. Don't give up on your faith. Don't give up on God. Don't give up on Jesus. You know, those sailors were like, you know, we're going to put this over, this lifeboat overboard. We're going to jump in and we are going to see ya. Paul says, no, everybody has to be here. And that's the third thing you need. You need others to survive the shipwrecks of life. Because Paul told them, unless everybody stays on the boat, nobody gets off the boat. We're all in this together. You need other people to survive the shipwrecks of life. You are not an island. With apologies to Simon and Garfunkel, you are not a rock. You are not an island. You are not. You need people in your life. You need others to survive the shipwrecks of life. That means sometimes you got to open up. You got to be vulnerable. You got to let people know what's going on in here, what's going on in here, what's going on in here. You got you to open yourself up to relationships with other people. You need others to encourage you, especially like brothers and sisters in Christ, your, your Christian friends. You need friends to come alongside you and speak life into you and to speak courage into you and to speak peace over you. You need others to survive the shipwrecks of life. You can't do it on your own. And sometimes we'll do that. Sometimes we think, you know what? I can do this. I can make it. I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to throw stuff overboard if I have to throw stuff overboard. I'm going to, I'm going to cut uh, this rope. I'm going to cut that rope. I'm going to throw this sail overboard. I'm, I'm going to do everything I can, but I've got to do it myself. Right? I've got to do it myself. I'm going to pull myself up by my bootstraps. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to, I'm going to do it myself. You can't. You need other people in this journey. You need other people on this boat that you are sailing on. So that when the shipwrecks come, you're not trying to fight it on your own. But you got people who will support you and strengthen you and hold you up. And pray for you and pray with you. And encourage you and speak, and speak peace into your life and speak love into your life. You need others to survive the shipwrecks of life. Fourth, you need food to survive the shipwrecks of life. What did Paul tell him? You guys haven't eaten in two weeks. You need some food. Some of you haven't eaten in months. And you're like, oh, I haven't felt like it. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about spiritual nourishment. God has given you his word. This is like, this is bread for your soul. And for some reason, you're like, I can't, I just can't read the Bible right now. You need to read your Bible. You need a steady diet of God's word. You need to feed yourself God's word. Uh, one of the things that I've, I've gotten into the habit of doing is uh, doing reading plans through uh, version. If you go to uh, your phone and get the version app or go to your uh, computer and search for version, it is a, a wonderful Bible app. And there's all kinds of devotional reading plans. And for, I think my streak is at 680 some days. That I, I wake up, first thing I do in the morning is I, I open up version and I read my Bible and, and my devotion for the day. I'm not saying that to brag. I'm not saying that to boast. It's like you're a preacher. You should do that. You're absolutely right. I should do that. 
But I want you to know that I do do that because I need that first. And I do this first thing in the morning. I get up, I go to my computer before I look at an email, before I look at anything else, I read my Bible because I need that to center me, to get me focused for the day. I need to feed myself first thing in the morning because that's when I'm at my best. When I wake up at 445, I'm like, I hit the ground running. And, And some of you are like, you people are, you are nuts, dude. Yes, I am. But that's just how I roll. But what you don't see is that at 8.30, my eyes are heavy and I'm falling asleep. Much to the dismay of my wife. Wake up and watch Hallmark movies with me. No. No. But you need food. You need a steady diet of God's word. You need prayer. You need to feast on that and feast on that, on that presence of God. You need to, you need to ingest food, spiritual food and nourishment. Otherwise, your soul is going to starve. You need food to survive the shipwrecks of life. And finally, you need to hang on. At the very end, we see how they're, they're holding on to anything they can to get to shore. Planks of wood, sail, whatever they got, each other. You need to hang on. The shore's not that far away, my friends. Though the shipwreck is scary, I want you to hang on. Though your situation and your circumstances are scary right now, I want you to hang on. If you're watching out there online, I want you to hang on. Hang on. And most importantly, hang on to Jesus. Hang on to your faith. Hang on to God. He is bigger than the shipwreck. He is stronger than the storm. And he will get you to the shore safe and sound. So don't give up. Hang on. Hang on. You know, it, it, people ask me, you know, how you doing? And, you know, I'm just hanging in there, man, one day at a time. And then sometimes that's what we got to do. I can't even think about tomorrow. I got to get through today. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough troubles of its own. Focus on today. Walk with God today. Seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness today. Pray for your daily bread today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Hang on today. Even if you have to hang on for dear life, hang on to faith today. And your God will get you through it. And you will survive the shipwrecks of life.